2: I'm good, Peter. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. I'm really stoked for this one. I think we're, we've got so many different things to explore and avenues to kind of go down. It's going to be a really interesting podcast. Before we dive into it, let's start with a, a little bit of who you are, what you do, and why. Yeah, sure.
0: Um, my name is Jeffrey Burrell. I am head of social impact at Riot Games. I've been here for about nine years now. and What that entails is everything from like our Rioter giving programs, where we'll match donations for Rioters, To our in-game activations, where players can purchase items through one of our games to support social impact causes around the world, and now sustainability. So how do we reduce our carbon
2: footprint um, so that we can best show up for our players for generations to come? Amazing. So let's maybe start by talking a little bit more about sustainability and your social impact fund to maybe give like a holistic viewpoint to people that may haven't had the fortune of coming across the amazing work that you're doing. Sure. So,
0: you know, we started this social impact fund, as we call it, the Riot Games Social Impact Fund, in 2019. And the purpose was to really kind of expand out our footprint on how we can best support players for the causes that they care about anywhere in the world. And so since then, that's like where we support all of our in-game fundraising activations and supporting that. And we actually just recently crested $15 million raised by players uh, since the inception. So we, we crossed that threshold, which kind of just boggles my mind when when I kind of take a step back and think about it. But that's through the generosity of our our players and goes to support primarily the causes that they themselves care about in the regions where they live.
2: Amazing. I remember watching the presentation that you gave a little while ago about the specific detail behind some of the work that you did. So maybe if we could talk a little bit about how Riot is utilizing the SDGs in respect to the impact that you drive your player community and the values that you're providing as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So th- this was a pretty challenging puzzle for a while because one of the areas we really tried to hone in on as a company is being player focused. And, and that means a lot of different things, but really it means meeting players where they are and caring about what they care because we ourselves are players. We want to care about that too. And when it comes to areas like social impact, for instance, that's it's pretty broad. A lot of people want to show up and give voice and give support to the issues that they care about. But one of the, the problems I kept running into was how do you actually find out what players care about? Um, Because what matters to us here in Los Angeles could be really different than people in Dublin, which could be really different for people in Turkey and Korea, uh, including Brazil. And so what we needed was essentially like a, a unified framework so that we could talk about social impact and values across borders, across languages and across cultures. And that's really where we found then the magic of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, to be able to give us that set framework so that we could go out, we could ask players, we could talk to them, we could survey them, and we could co-create with them so that we know what matters to players in Brazil is similar but also really different than players in the United States, for instance. And so that's how we kind of use the SDGs to sort of then influence what nonprofits, what charitable causes we specifically aim to target and support in all of the regions where we as a game company operate.
2: Uh, talking about like target and support, what what are some of the, the touch points, the data sets? What what what's been the key points of identification that have led to some of these partnerships that you've established? And I guess like also from a regional perspective, how does this differ between nations?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's where it gets like really interesting. And I just, I love, love data. Um, Being informed by it, you can't always be driven by the data, but you can use it to then test your own theories and hypotheses. And so what we found over the years is we've been able to actually really unpack a lot more on when players talk about like a particular issue, what do they really mean? And so I'll, I'll give you one example that really came to light for us was we've noticed for a couple of years, a trend growing around uh, well-being and good health. And when we dove into that, we were asking players all over the world, what do you really mean by that? Is that public health? Is it personal fitness and well-being? Is it mental health? And the response we got from players was really outstanding by a large margin. Players all over the world, even in regions where it was still considered taboo, noted that mental health was really important to them and, and mental well-being. And when we kind of cross-tabulated that data with the World Health Organization, we actually found that it wasn't a gamer thing. It was a young person thing, And that rising levels of depression and anxiety and, and anxiousness all over the world have really been increasing. And so that's how we were able to kind of like find some insights. Into Okay, then what is we as a game company could do to help players where they are, help the communities that we're a part of to find better access and care to start to break some of the stigma around reaching out for mental health and then really trying to provide new onroads for other content creators so that they can start talking with their own gamer communities about their own struggles, about how to find help and about what it takes to live a well-balanced life. So that was some of the the insight that we got from specifically understanding this data year over year. Um, and we've also seen some really increased, like education is one of the top issues all over the world. That in sustainability, we see consistently in the top five goals in every region
2: where we do our research. And in respect to the research, firstly, how is it different from the years that you've undertaken, the various different levels of research that you've done and equally some of the projects that you've that you're most proud of, I guess, like who, who you've partnered with, and what what's the direct implica- impacts and implications that you've seen from the from the work that you've done as a company?
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll address some of the the trends that I've seen. <laughs> it's it's funny when when I took this job, I wasn't really thinking about okay, well, here's how we're going to address like all of the ills of the world. We wanted to be really kind of like strategic on where we focus, on how we can have uh, increased leverage on the areas that we want to lean into. And what I've seen over time is pretty remarkable in terms of what the world has been going through. Global pandemic, didn't see that coming. That was new. And, and all of, it, it seemed like every year, these like unprecedented issues have been like really sort of popping up. And we've seen that reflected in some of our research as well. Some, some regions... You see a growing trend of just no poverty. They're they, they are going through some pretty hard economic times over the years. And you've seen like this increase where people just want a chance to get a well-paid job or to get a chance at education. Uh, likewise, we've seen some growth in sustainability, particularly in Western regions where it's becoming much more pronounced, much more kind of like top of mind. And mental health, like I've talked about, the pandemic was really hard for ways that people are still trying to understand in terms of loneliness, in terms of connecting with others, building those relationships. And so that's what
2: we've also kind of like been seeing a trend in in growing times. And that's that's looking outwardly, but it, looking inwardly in respect to Riot as a whole, like what have been some of the findings that you've done from the internal work? For internal, what we do is
0: we have a, a completely separate, this is funded by Riot Games as a corporation, not with any player money, but we have a donation matching platform. So if I've got some people that really want to dogs, other people who really want to support cats, and I've got the iguana folks over there, I'm I'm here to support and to amplify the impact that they make. We have seen then over time where issues that really become pronounced for rioters are also driven typically what you see in the headlines. And so that's where it's like, hey, this this particular law, this particular ruling, this particular outcome, disaster, what have you, has happened. And so then we activate them with 2x donation matching. So all of a sudden, if you were to donate $10, for instance, that would become 30 to the organization that you're wanting to support. So that's kind of how we aim to do that with our, our internal rioters. And we've honestly, as, as you can imagine, the world's in a pretty uh, tumultuous place right now. So the ability for people to mobilize, to show gratitude, to show appreciation has has been um, tremendously impactful. The, the, the coolest trend I have seen is that we're getting more percentages of people donating at higher levels, which is pretty remarkable to see.
2: What do you think of the wider implications as to the games in- industry as a whole? Do you think that people are taking note of what Riot are doing and, and wanting to follow suit? Or do you think that it's something that you as a company are going to have to drive yourself for, from a movement perspective?
0: No, I, I, don't, I don't really think of it like that. I, I would I would be delighted to trade notes with anybody. I furiously scan what other companies are doing, try and get good ideas, connect with whoever the counterpart is over there and just talk about like a rising tide for all boats. Because yeah. I think the games industry is really uniquely poised. And for a long time, I think we were behind the other forms of entertainment in terms of social impact and sustainability. But that is growing at such an exponential rate of not only just, hey, here's a way for people to get engaged. But like I said, we can co-create with our fans, with our with esports, everything that we're wanting to do together. And these are highly passionate, highly engaged, highly people who want to see and demand that the world is a little bit better. And and that to me has been really kind of interesting to see because as the games industry begins to develop and evolve with these together, we can actually see a lot of areas of co-partnership with other game studios that we might not be able to do ourselves. Just one example. But if we get the whole industry to start to focus in and hone in on some of these things, then that is going to be like a tremendous source of influence. And and honestly, I think like soft power coming in the future because you've got, you know, people older than my grandpa, policy making positions who don't really understand anything about games. But as young people begin to get more involved, as gamers start to get within the White House or they'll start to see that games are going to be like a pretty important way to start engaging with people on social issues that kind of have grassroots effects for them.
2: Yeah, I always look at um, the holistic viewpoint. So if you look at the games industry, I think in 2022, it was estimated that the industry was worth around 350 billion US dollars. And if you kind of, if you look at the wider opportunity we have from from finance, and then you also look at the opportunity for progressive partnerships, the, that coming together to me just kind of makes sense, whereby... The games industry rather than kind of wait for change to be to be put upon an institution it's actually let's just lead the the period of change together and in that respect you you can do a whole host of things from a percentage of the total revenue share so even if you take like one percent of your annual revenue that that sum of money would be able to go into a pot that they could then align to any one of the 17 sdgs alleviate that problem and then we move on to the next problem and through sl- slow but sure progressive change in partnerships we start chipping away at some of these world's most pressing problems that we face because like i guess we could all talk a, a good talk but ultimately it comes down to action and i think that the actions that you are driving speak volumes of your your company because there's that whole saying about good Brands create movements, but great brands create movements. That's very kind of you to say.
0: That, I think you're hitting on where my long-term target is. Because it's one thing for a game company or any company, donate time, donate resources, etc. to make a difference on an impact. It's another, if we can get, what, some... I think it's like 3 billion players around the world. Three people, 3 billion people play games. If we can all mobilize them just a little bit to give a damn about something, to get them to say, I'm going to take action on this. I'm going to give my voice, my ability to try and work on what I can in front of me. That is real social change. and And the research is clear. That's what people want. They want to align with companies that share those values, that... Mm-hmm help them to kind of create this social movement together and that is something i think the games industry can do that honestly no other industry can we just have to figure out and tap into that potential
2: and i guess like when it came back to the early days of your social impact fund and and the work that you were doing in respect to um, wider goals surrounding sustainability and the the sdgs how how embracive and supportive was your kind of with, with the leadership team and the board in respect to the wider work that you were doing? Because, to me, look as a as an unlook looking in, it looks like you've had that whole support from the very beginning, and that's allowed you to be empowered to create a culture of change.
0: Yeah, I, I will say that since the very beginning, Mark and Brandon are two co founders, and even at the time, Dylan, who was the at then the CEO and is now the CEO, have been really supportive of of these efforts. One of the interesting things about these sort of positions I've found, and, and after talking with other people, not only in my industry but in, in others, is it's kind of the definition of entrepreneurship. No one will ever just kind of come in and say, "Cool, here's you know you're, here's the whole team, here's the whole strategy, you're set up, and and off you go." Um, you really have to find ways to partner with others in the organization to those small yet strategic wins to prove concept, to develop ways that show real tangible, like not only business value, but then impact to the communities that you serve. And and I, I can walk you through one example, you know, like this year, we're just wrapping up our third player voting campaign. So like what I had talked about earlier, we select three hyper local nonprofits in all of the regions where we operate. I believe this year is around 83 nonprofits that we're supporting. When I first had this idea, I had to start with just three. And we had to be like, okay, we're going to go like three global nonprofits and players get to vote and choose on those because no one's ever really done a no voting and activation like that before. So I had to prove that concept. That was such a headache. That's what led me to be like, okay, we got to start creating the social impact fund. It was out of necessity. So then the next year, we had Darkstar Chogoth and that was the fundraiser. And that's how we said, okay, we'll do one nonprofit for each of the regions we're in. We knew we could do voting globally. Could we do that local activation? That was another year. It took the third year to combine the two ideas into the ultimate vision that we had to go from three local nonprofits in each region, but it took three different campaigns, three years to build those muscles, to build those capabilities, understandings internally and externally to be able to do that. So it's kind of, everyone is really supportive and and Riot has been like, honestly, the best place for folks like me to do our best work. Uh, Anyone who is like kind of entrepreneurial can like really start to to drive in on that. But you're right having to figure out a way with little resources that you got
2: from a campaign's perspective can you maybe walk from through some of the programs that you've been able to fund and, and equally how are you feeding that back to the player community because for me as a player if if I want to kind of see direct impact and for the for the work that I you know I'm, I'm flagging be it this charity that I'm particularly interested in that I'd like Riot to support then how do I as a player get that information fed back to me to to see the impact that i'm driving because in respect to like movements for change yeah you you need that kind of constant feedback loop to allow for people to feel part of a journey so how does how does that evolve and play out
0: yeah i i think that there's a couple ways and, and admittedly this is something i really want to get better at and we're like kind of looking in the future to not just share back with players the impact that they've been able to create as a collective, but a lot of those personal stories, a lot of that closed loop, where, hey, here's what you were able to do in Korea, for instance, right? Like build an entire gymnasium in Seoul. Go visit it. You know, here's how you can volunteer at it. Here's how you can like start to enroll kids who you think might be a good fit. That's that's ultimately where I'd, I'd love to be able to get. Right now, you know, what we do is is really try to. Uh, Share back a lot of those key stories through our annual impact report and kind of like highlighting some of the impact that we have there. We can do that at a macro level. And on the micro level, sometimes we'll like ask and get, you know, testimonials, reports, lovely media that we can share back on those local channels. Ultimately, for every single project that we fund uh, through the social impact report, we ask for progress, like a progress report. We want to know that the money is, you know, used well for impactful outcomes. We do a lot of research and like due diligence before we actually start to donate money or invest in particular projects. So we get all of those back. We're also a small team and we can only share back kind of like the broader collectives that we get as opposed to every single individual project that we support. Yeah, definitely.
2: What's been some of the biggest challenges and I guess also the opportunities that you've experienced throughout this kind of journey to where you are today? You know, one
0: one thing that was more challenging than I thought it would be was trying to get alignment into some of the approaches that we're taking. So what I mean by that is anything you pick half of the strategy is saying what you're not going to do. Like if you're looking at a high end retail organization for luxury, you're not going to sell your product at like a Walmart or something like super cheap. But those are also very viable strategies as well. You know, you can sell a lot of volume for a little bit of profit and both can be successful. When it comes to social impact, that I have found is, is been always a little bit challenging because what matters to people matters to them very dearly and to say no this is actually what is in the best interest of the players of the communities that we're trying to serve i myself very clear things that i deeply care about but i have to remove that from my own personal desires to focus on what is best like for the players and with that strategy every time you know that sort of comes up i we have that conversation and we go through it and then and then people get it um, but it, o- it always like kind of takes that to sort of like ask, like, for instance, my brother is a diabetic deeply matters to me. You know, I grew up with watching him having to take insulin, you know, as much as I care about that. And as much as I, I'm sure so many of our players are diabetics, can a video game company really then human clinical trials and in, in insulin taking and everything like that? Probably not. You know, we can go to support, we can find ways uh, through all of that, but we really try to find meaningful impact that creates a lasting result because of our our support since 2013 bombas has donated over 100 million socks underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness
2: I think like that ability to drive lasting impact is, is going to be the differentiation between companies that kind of do good versus companies that do great work. And I think that where we are now, like the SDGs provide a framework for people to follow, at least people to kind of have some form of vision and goals that they want to attribute to and, and align themselves with. But thinking more about the future, what has what the... What is a five year plan in respect to what you want to achieve with this, with this current outlook and, and also how far, how far do you think you could take this particular initiative?
0: Yeah, I, that's a big question. The first is I would love to be able to, now that you've hit 50 million, I'd love to be able to have players hit a hundred million. I always like setting kind of aggressive yet achievable goals. But at the end of all of it, what I really want is to empower players, our our whole community of people who play games, not even our games, but any kind of game, to really be the driving force for positive change in the world. I want them to feel like their voice, their contribution, their efforts, their attention matters. That... If, if, we, if we can do that, and I, I use we entirely because it is a very collective effort. If we can do that, then I feel like we'll have made a really positive mark on the world. And gamers will actually feel tremendously proud that they're part of the gaming community. And that games actually make it better to, to be able to like live in the world that we're all in. And so what does that look like? That, that looks like bringing them on the journey with us. In terms of sustainability, for, there's a lot that we can do as a company, but then there's also a lot of sharing back what we learn, our approach, what's working well, what's not. What could players do? You know, I don't want to like put the the onus on them, but what if we all just dimmed our screens by 10%, you know, how much would that actually then kind of lower our entire footprint as a community? So what we're looking at in the future is really looking at those ways that we can give players not only voice in terms of like the the voting for the nonprofits in their local regions, but how do we then highlight their ideas, their projects? How do we start to like source some of those all around the world so that if just a player in your local community and you're like, hey, I, I have like this great idea that I think could help, how do we find those diamonds in the run? How do we support them and enable them and get like other players to get activated and involved? Um, that's where my ultimate dream will be because then that creates sort of like this self-enforcing narrative on what it means to be a gamer. You know, you're not just hanging out and cursing at people or whatever they think gamers are. That's not actually the reality. We want to show the entire world that being gamer is actually something you should really be proud of.
2: I think the last time I looked, and I'm sure the stats have probably changed now, but there was there's around at the beginning of the year I'm pretty sure it was around about 3.24 billion active players so like if you look at that statistic as a whole and think well the volume of people that are playing games the ability to enact positive change within their interests, and also empower people to be part of this change journey with you then we have an opportunity to really just change the landscape around us and a lot of people look at the challenges that we face and you know a lot you, you get a lot of pushback to say well, that's that's too big a, that's too big a problem to overcome but it's these kind of small tiny gains like the fact that when you started with just like 3 charities at the beginning and now you're up to about like 83 the ability to grow and cultivate that engagement and the, that collective community and also the partnerships the partnerships are going to be key as to how you grow going forward in respect to this initiative and and also bring others on board in respect to the wider positive wider opportunities for change and yeah like I look at it and think well in respect to the opportunities yeah, we, we could as a as a wider community of gamers we look at it from a, a revenue basis and take a percentage share of total revenue and apply that into a central fund and then from that allocate that out to specific charities That's that's one model that you could do another thing is that you could take direct ownership over a specific um, SDG and just say okay let's focus on this for the next couple of years and actually really invest heavily into it you know if you talk about mental health or if we talk about sustainability or whatever the top three indicators may be for that particular year the ability just to drill down into the root causes of that the Surgeon General said at the beginning of the year that we live in an age of epidemic and isolation, and, and the ability to to address that fact, to change people's outlooks upon the challenges that they may face, and also provide them new opportunities to grow, evolve, and develop. When a company takes ownership of this, then you lead in with empathy, and that's that, that's one of the core principles: the ability to empathize with other people's struggles and and show them that you know we're not all the same and we're motivated by very different things and what people may perceive and and again that that grows brand awareness and that'll grow engagement but further afield it'll grow the important thing which is the impact like the lasting legacy that, le- that you leave behind and that's why I, I'm I was so encouraged about jumping on a call with you because I think people need to be made aware of some some of the amazing work that's happening in society today we often get dragged into the mire of all of the negativity but There is some amazing work taking place. And I think sometimes there's light that needs to be shined upon it. Yeah, I think think you bring up two really
0: good points. And the first is, it's ironic, but the more people draw attention to the seriousness of social issues, Like like sustainability, like all these things, the more attention that we draw upon it, the less empowered people feel to actually solve the problem. Because it seems so big. It's like, what could I actually do when the world is burning and and everything like that? And so I think you hit on something that is really important, but so often overlooked, is that to mobilize communities, you need to pace the work, pace the solutions at a rate that the community can absorb and adapt. So if we come out and saying like, hey, everyone, we're going to go like, do all these things and and be like really big and splashy everybody likes that but it actually doesn't translate into anything tangible to thinking of this like oh i can do this versus i say hey if you just show up on this day bring in five canned foods or whatever it may be right donate blood these types of things that slowly consistently will change a person's identity because it's no longer oh i i should do these things it switches to I do these things and this is part of who I am. And so things like in-game fundraisers, donations, showing up, organizations that you care about, slowly starts to shift how people identify with themselves and communities to see what they can kind of go and draw together. I think that's really important that's often overlooked that you brought up. And then the second, sort of what you had talked about before is this, this broader effort of like, how do I really focus on core issues of diving deep into something. And I think this is where a lot of companies also not necessarily get confused, but it seems like there there's a little bit of a lack of identity. Because I think you can do both, but they're very different approaches. On one hand, like when we give money to nonprofits that players care about and we enable them and we vote for them, we do a lot of research to make sure that the organizations are credible, that they're going to use the money relatively targeted towards the efforts that we, we would want them to, that they can report on it cleanly. There's no corruption, all of these good things. I, I can't like deeply dive in and do research on 86 nonprofits or 83 nonprofits a year for that. On the other end, as a company, we have our four pillars that we deeply look into. And that's where we try to find organizations that strategically we can actually amplify beyond just or beyond just time and attention. We can we can accelerate some impact. We can take risks with them that they might not be able to take themselves to create this outcome that is long lasting and really has maybe a year or maybe two years of runway for it and saying like, hey, we're in this journey with you here is like we're going to be a good partner and make sure that we see this outcome together. Those are very different approaches, and it takes a different type of essentially risk tolerance to understand the objectives that you want for each one. So I think those are really good points that you brought up.
2: Yeah, I'd love to know a little bit more about like the four pillars because like obviously when this first started in respect to the work that you're doing, there has to be a close alignment to the company's values and beliefs. Otherwise, it never takes place. Otherwise, it becomes just, you know, like one of the things that frustrates me about things like corporate social responsibility is it's to some it's looked upon as like a like a a a report that goes at the bottom of somebody's desk or worse is when people kind of try and jump on respect to the wider narratives that we're seeing take place around purpose at the moment like to me purpose is a lifeblood of an organization and that's that. It's a very beating heart of of why you exist and what you attribute value to this, the communities that you serve. It's it's everything. It's it, it falls within every part of your organization. But to some, some people look at it as as a yeah almost like an ext- an extension of of CSR. And I think that that outlook is is key. We can only really see the types of work that you guys are doing by having support of, of our boards and leadership teams. And when you have that, then you have the ability to cultivate and grow. And yeah, like I look further afield and my hope for what you guys are doing is, is more so about progressive partnerships for change. You know, it's true about due diligence. It's hard to kind of do that on the 83, but you then have an opportunity to partner with like global charities and global organizations that have far-reaching networks that you could provide far-reaching impacts to and, and work in partnership with and you know that it's it's kind of like breaking down those walls of competition when people stop looking at competition as a as an indicator and start looking at collaboration and seeing well we're, we're all part of this ecosystem that is a games industry we all are here to create great first and foremost to create great games for players but secondly to provide value to our player community and when you align those pieces of the puzzle together then yeah we that's that's how great movements can take place and yeah like i I do think that that a lot of people could take solace in the work that you're doing but then equally think about how we can elevate it to look at some of the world's most pressing problems and go well let's be the generation that solves these rather than just perpetuates them
0: actually i really like how how you brought that up when i sort of look around i i spend probably the first three, four months of this job just honestly doing a lot of thinking and research on where can games have a unique impact? What's special about games as a form of entertainment, culture, social cohesion? And so I, I researched a lot of academic leading think tanks of what they were talking about. And that's how we really kind of came up with the pillars of focus that we did. They're, they're pretty broadly, but they have a really specific hypothesis for each one. So education, for instance, you would think, OK, well, that makes like a lot of sense for like a game company. You know, their players may be a little bit on, on the younger side, going to school, all of these things. We, we actually found that games like playing and learning just go hand in hand. The idea of imagine you're taking a math test and you're failing the questions half of the time, but you want to queue up again for the next one. You know, it's just like, I got this one. You know, like this is the one that I'm going to get. Like if you're having that much fun and and you're at like the right level of balance to be able to get into the state of flow, all of these things, you can actually really accelerate someone's understanding. So that's why we're like education is really critical because we can have a unique place to play. Likewise, citizenship is one of our other pillars. And this one is really interesting to me because how do we potentially nudge players in game and out of game to be better Samaritans? You know, there's there's one thing to say like, hey, I'm just showing up to play a game of pickup basketball, you know, with some people. And there's social norms that go with that. There's like kind of these how what's acceptable. How do we start to help and move and mobilize players to understand what good behavior looks like in and out of game. Mental health would fall under this kind of category as well, mental well-being. And then of course, opportunity, because what we found was that great ideas for games are everywhere, but the opportunity to create games and the knowledge in which to do so is not equally distributed. So what can we do to start to spread that out and make it much more equitable for for everybody? And then lastly, sustainability. I think this is just so untapped within the games industry right now. We have like a long way to go to kind of like catch up and and in particular, understanding what we as an industry can do collectively to help lower some of our carbon footprint. And, and one great way that I we, we just started to activate this was we had a pretty strong activation with our world's tournament with League of Legends in Korea this year. We announced a partnership with AWS. So every Water Drake, Water Dragon, if you're not familiar, that was taken down during the tournament. Uh, We donated to water.org and raised $350,000 that we were able to donate just through players watching the game and being active participant and having like extra stakes involved. And then we also invited players to complete missions within the game. Um, And so every mission that they completed activated a tiny little donation that ultimately turned into a million dollars that we donated to Eden Reforestation Project. So we're kicking off a new project with them in Chimani Mani, Uh, Mozambique to create an entire new forest and and landscape restoration project with them and that was all because of the players so there's so many ways that you could activate and engage them on ways that they want to spend their time anyways and and that I think is to your point noting that games can do something really specific and unique that other industries may not be able to tap into.
2: And Do you think that that's going to be an opportunity for you guys going forward, more like in-game activation?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that that primarily is, you know, I'll be, I'll be candid. I get about three to four nonprofits reaching out to me every week to want to be like, hey, it would be so great if I could uniquely support each individual project. And that's why we have like the social impact fund set up is, is because that's a tremendous amount of work. And so our team is small and we can focus then on like saying like, hey, collectively we'll raise and activate from the players and then we'll go out of our way to find, like I said, those diamonds in the rough that really create outsized impact and that we could meaningfully contribute to. Because it's one thing to give a million dollars to an organization that brings in, I'm making it up, like $2 billion a year, right? That's That's one thing. And I'm sure that's doing like really great work. And there's another to say, like, hey, here's two people in a garage trying to start a nonprofit. It may not be the best idea to give them a million dollars. We have to try and really find the ones that have the right capacity and alignment with the goals that we're trying to.
2: Bearing in mind the world that we're entering into is very much a, a change, turbulent world um, for the foreseeable future, at least. How do you envisage drive? I guess I'll. How do you envisage? The partnerships that you're going to create, the longevity of these partnerships, and also I guess like how do you envisage Riot utilizing your voice and the ability to drive impactful change within society, within a turbulent world? What, what are your viewpoints upon how that's going to play out?
0: Yeah, I, I would say that we we all live in a world of unlimited need, but limited means and resources and attention so unfortunately i can't focus on everything that i would love to be able to focus on likewise there's no shortage of people saying like hey you should look at x or y or or z and when i kind of scan the horizon i really try to think about number one what what really does matter to players where they are and how do I start to activate that as, as a whole, not just like a, a social media post or something like that, but really like as, as, as a whole. And then two, where, where can we actually uniquely play? And I think one of the things, it, sort of how I think about it, where can we help with sunlight, where can we help water and good soil and like help some of these ideas blossom and grow? You know, there's a a lot of things that we're working on internally at the company with our products and everything. But then there's a lot of ways that we could activate great ideas where they are and support them in the resources and the prototyping and the testing, gaining awareness. One of the the best examples I can think of in these in-game fundraisers, when we do the, the player voting campaign, we've actually had a lot of the nonprofits reach back out to us to show just a tremendous spike in traffic that they normally hadn't ever gotten before and of those people who continue to engage and to donate and to want to volunteer with them later on so it's not just like the distribution of of funding that players have raised but the ongoing involvement and collaboration that they get from their local community players anyways and i think that's something where i really want to like start to lean into a little bit more and find new opportunities to be able to connect players Local on the ground grassroots activations.
2: Well, I could talk to you all day. It's been an absolute pleasure. I guess, like, just to close out, what would your Keith and takeaway be for our audience in respect to firstly the work that you're doing and and like the wider mission that you you have in play, and also how they could drive impactful change within their own lives. Yeah, you 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 touched on it. It
0: starts. It has to start with empathy. If if people are wanting to get into this or like companies they see something 70 80 percent of millennials and 90 percent of gen z want to buy a product that's aligned to their values oh we need to do that and then they just kind of phone it in people smell that it, it has to be authentic it has to be based in empathy and and you need to understand like what is what is the unique value that you as an organization that you as a team or an individual can have and then how do you start to experiment around kind of got to be a little bit of a scientist and test out ideas they could totally fail and you have to be okay with that but if you don't fail then you're never going to actually like swing for the fences and, and learn to tap into how you uniquely provide that that deep tangible kind of competitive advantage that only your company can help lead the their the prospective industry on
2: well it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so, so much thank you so much peter appreciate it thank
1: you for listening to the purpose made podcast don't forget to subscribe to purpose made wherever you normally get your podcasts to hear the latest news and views you can also find and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter, or contact Peter directly to connect, inquire about Purpose Made,
2: or request to be featured on the podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for another episode.